You are now listening to The Shyest Podcast, when millions of opinions just aren't enough. Cowboys had to sweat it out on Thursday Night Football, but they ended up covering the spread 27-13 against the Titans, and now, the Pick'em Show. Welcome back. It's the, not the last week of the season, but it is the last week of... 2022. I guess technically they're playing on January 1st. Mm. But this is the last show of 2022. As it is New Year's Eve and we decided to come in here and do this show anyway because we're not celebrating until later. And even that mostly consists of babysitting the dog who is terrified of fireworks. So... First, we're going to look back at the Dallas and Tennessee game. It's not going to take very long. Uh, and then we'll get into the picks for the rest of week 17. And uh, we'll get into a little fantasy championship stuff. And um, yeah, let's get to it. After review, the results of the play is first and 15. Okay, so it wasn't pretty for Dallas, at least not early. This game was 10-6 to at the half. Dallas had three first-half turnovers. Dak fumbled. Uh, he threw an interception that wasn't his fault, and then he threw one that was. And so it was just kind of a slog. And then, you know, they both scored touchdowns in the third quarter, so at that point it's... 17 to 13 still a close game and then dallas just edged them out in the fourth quarter the defense stepped up and they shut down uh quarterback with only 45 passing yards on his career heading into this game um but he played well dobbs looked like he might even get the start for tennessee next week against jacksonville i had three players on my roster in the championship game and that was Zeke, that was Gallup, and Schultz. And I knew I was going to play Zeke for the most part because Pollard was out. I figured Zeke would get his touchdown. He did. I could have used, you know, more yardage, but even with everybody out on the Tennessee defense, they still managed to play pretty good scheme run defense and held Zeke in check. So Dallas didn't really run the ball that effectively. Uh, and that kind of just changed the way they were playing. But in the first half, like I think they had like 25 passing attempts, so they're on pace to throw the ball 50 times in a game where they have the superior offense and the superior defense. Like they just didn't want to run the ball and they didn't want to punt and play defense and play a field position type of game. So I don't know if it was a game that they were looking at like it was like completely in control for them and they just weren't really interested in um, like winning the game the way that they could easily win the game but they ended up having one two three four five six seven eight 
9, 10, 11 possessions in this game because of their style of play. And I think they ended up with 40 pass attempts, and they won the game, but still, 40 pass attempts is a lot in this type of game. Like, even if they're not getting first downs, run the ball, get the clock moving, punt, play defense, win the field position battle, kick field goals, whatever. Um, but they made the game about as hard on themselves as they possibly could have, and they still walked away with a win, so that's a good sign if you're Dallas. Um, I was checking in with everybody I know in terms of fantasy stuff before the game started because I had three Dallas players. I didn't want to play all three of them because I was you know, hesitant if this game was ugly like it was in the first half that you know, it would tank my entire championship roster by having three guys all lay eggs in the first game. So I didn't want to put all my eggs in one basket. And I decided to sit Gallup, and that was the right call. And up until the time where Dalton Schultz scored his second touchdown, I felt like that that was probably a good decision to keep him on my bench as well. But he ended up with seven catches on 10 targets, which I don't even think he's seen more than five targets in the last month. And two touchdowns, 56 yards. So that's a nice chunk of points that is on my bench, unfortunately. Uh, Zeke did get me the touchdown, and he had 37 yards, so that helped. But they also, they didn't want to throw the ball to uh, Elliott out of the backfield. Like, everything was going downfield, so all the kind of plays that Pollard would normally absorb as a passing target, they just decided to scrap those altogether. Malik Davis only caught two. But yeah, they could have thrown, like, swing passes to Zeke all night long. He could have gotten his yardage elsewhere, but... This seemed like a game where Dallas wanted to, like, get in, get out with as minimal, like, damage as possible. But Tennessee was playing very physical. Pretty sure Dallas lost some guys to injury on the offensive line while this game was going on as well. So uh, Dallas walks away with a win, but they don't walk away completely unscathed. Prescott finishes the night 29 of 41, got sacked once. Uh, so they kind of calmed down the passing game in the second half, but... He threw two touchdowns, both to Schultz. He threw two picks. One of them bounced off the rookie tight end's hands and up into the defender's hands. And as far as the run game goes, he had three carries for 11 yards. Elliott had 19 carries for 37 yards, so super inefficient. But when he was in the game, they're essentially telling Tennessee's good run defense that they are going to run the ball. Malik Davis had better success at uh, 10 carries for 39 yards, so similar to Pollard when Zeke is not in the game... Uh, it's a little harder to predict what Dallas wants to do, but in short yardage situations, Zeke continues to punch touchdowns into the end zone. And so, you know, I walked out of that with basically 10, 10 points in standard scoring. So not great, but not terrible either. But it definitely looks like Elliott will not reach the 1,000 yard mark on the season as a result of that because he's got 866, so he needs 140-ish in the final game of the year to do that. He's averaging 3.9 a touch, but he's got 12 touchdowns, so they still rely on him. Um, but he's only got 17 catches, so they're not, they don't want to use him as a pass catcher anymore. So I think this game was really about like, get that touchdown early, play with the lead, preserve everybody's health as much as possible. But um, if you're a Cowboys fan and you watch that game, you've got to be concerned that that was not the kind of game you want to see from a team that just beat the Eagles that is considered to be potentially uh, a threat in the NFC. Because right now, I can't see them any higher than fourth in the NFC. Um, they did beat Minnesota, so that helps. 
Um, and they could smash Minnesota again if they play. That's quite, quite possible. But you never know. Um, so they're in the conversation, but I would see them as at highest as the, I guess, third best team behind Philly and San Francisco. And uh, if they struggled with the Tennessee defense, they're going to have major issues with the San Francisco defense. So a win, a win is a win, though. They ended up, I think, when I saw the spread, it was 13 and a half. So Dallas covered at least what I had and won by 14. But, you know, if you took them at 15 or higher, then they kind of screwed that for you. But I think I think the closing number was a little bit closer with money coming in on the Titans and... You know, up until the fourth quarter, that looked like uh, it was going to be a pretty safe bet. So they move on. The Titans move into their play-in game. It wasn't a game that the Titans even really cared to win anyway. They were kind of experimenting out there themselves, seeing what uh, Dobbs looked like at quarterback for them. And, well, it wasn't, like, fantastic. He was 20 of 39, so about 50-50. Uh, 232, a touchdown, a pick, sacked twice. So, I mean... If that's the numbers you're getting out of your starting quarterback, it's going to be a tall order to try and beat Jacksonville, who can throw the ball and uh, up against a pretty weak pass defense. That's that's not ideal. So, I mean, Dak had a like a mediocre night and still threw for almost 300, threw two touchdowns. So, if that's like a bad passing night against the Titans, that's that's a bad recipe against Jacksonville. So, the Titans are on the ropes. The fact that they didn't really you know, they didn't have a lot of players playing. Henry didn't play. Like, half their defense was out. You know, I was thinking before the game, like, they still have a chance to be the wild card at 9-8, and eight, but they've essentially given up on the wild card race to just try to focus on the, the play-in game against Jacksonville. Because if they win in Week 18, they're in, and they don't have to think about the wild card, but now they don't have a choice because they're out of the wild card race with that loss, I'm pretty sure. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, in week 18 like I said I don't need all 15 minutes so we've we've moved right along we're gonna get into all the rest of the games for week 17 two minutes to win it all right so start that two minute clock whenever you are ready and give me the first game that's on deck go all right it is Cardinals at Falcons okay so we've got the Cardinals who are gonna not have Colt McCoy after Kyler Murray is already out. So they're on their third string uh, quarterback. DeAndre Hopkins also not playing in this game. I don't even know if he's hurt, but I can't say I blame him. The Falcons are six-point favorites, which seems large, but it's in Atlanta. Over under 41. Atlanta's playing their rookie quarterback. Um, Yeah, so it seems just a little strange that they're six-point favorites in this game. Um, you know, Arizona, they lost to Tampa in 1916 in their last game. And I think they were playing a lot of that game without, uh, maybe the whole game without Colt McCoy as well, because didn't McCoy get hurt in the Denver game? And that's when he left with a concussion. So yeah, um, six points seems huge. So I'm definitely going to take Arizona to cover that. And then as long as Atlanta doesn't really kill themselves with mistakes, they could certainly win this game. They've got uh, a lot of guys healthy, it looks like. 
if they turn around and just like run the ball with confidence, just do what they do, kick field goals, and hopefully their defense doesn't let them down, I can see Atlanta winning this game. So they're at home. They've got a good kicker in Youngway Koo. So I think without Hopkins, without uh, a number one or two quarterback, that really just changes how Arizona plays again. Obviously, people are expecting them to lose, which is why they're six-point underdogs. I think it'll be closer than that, but I will still take Atlanta, and we'll take the we'll take the over with two like mid-level defenses. I know the quarterback situation says under, but bad defenses, bad teams playing. I usually take the over in that situation, especially in a dome. Rids picks. Now I'm worried because Rids is taking the Falcons too. Okay. What is the next game on deck? Bears at Lions. Bears, Lions, Tigers, oh my. (laughs) This is a game that the Lions should win, but I said that about um, the Lions last week against Carolina, and then Carolina just absolutely steamrolled them, just ran them right the fuck over, ran for like 300 yards on them. It was disgusting. So if you're a Lions fan and you saw that, um, it's horrible. They lost 37-23. They went from being one of the hottest teams in the league, looking like they were going to be a really dangerous wild card matchup for a lot of teams. And then you get run over, completely run over. I think you had two running backs run for 150 yards or something in that game. Um, But both of these teams have terrible run defense. The problem is the Lions also have a terrible pass defense. The Bears aren't exactly the type of team that's going to push them in the passing game. But the Bears can run the ball, and the Bears are going to run the ball. And you've got Justin Fields with a 1,000 rushing yards on the season for Chicago. And the Detroit defense doesn't have the kind of speed and uh, scheme, I don't think, to stop Fields. But Detroit also plays a lot better at home. And they are more than capable of winning this game it's a game that they have to win and like chicago's you know they're just playing spoiler detroit has to win to stay in the conversation but this is another game where the spread at six looks really really ugly and this was a 31 30 game that chicago won last time they played so oh no excuse me this is a 31 30 game that the lions won in chicago last time they played but a game that they were losing and overcame like a 14-point deficit in the fourth quarter to win the game. So I'm not super confident that the game is going to be at six or more. And I could totally see a world in where Detroit messes around and loses this game because of that run defense. Um, So they're going to have to run the ball themselves against Chicago, and they're fortunate that they already played them once. So it's not going to be nearly as uh, surprising to deal with Justin Fields. So I'll take Detroit, but I think Chicago's got a really good chance at covering the six. And, uh, I mean, it's in a dome. These teams already had a shootout. So I will say over the 52 and a half. Rids picks. Rids likes the Lions at home. Okay, what do we have next? Uh, Broncos at Chiefs. Broncos at Chiefs. Russell Wilson is back. The offense is back in the shitter. And the Chiefs are favored by 12 and a half. It is interesting to note that the Chiefs are 5-9-1 against the spread. 
And when these two teams played last time, they won by six. So it is maybe foolish to take the Chiefs at home by 12 and a half. 12 and a half is a lot, especially at this time in the season. And I don't know. It seemed just like Russell Wilson needed to insert himself back into the Broncos lineup, even though they had a win, even though their season was lost. It needed to justify the size of that contract. Um, and I just, you know, the offense went in the shitter and then their defense quit on them too. So it was not a good look. And, you know, Latavius Murray did not really run the ball effectively against this Chiefs defense last time. And what we saw was that the Chiefs defense is actually much more susceptible against the pass over the last month than they are against the run. So while their run defense holds up, their secondary is not as good as it has been in the past. They lost key pieces from their Super Bowl teams a couple years ago. So they're vulnerable there, which should help Wilson. Um, but yeah, they just looked so bad last week. I mean, I guess there's nowhere to go but up. But still the idea that they're going to cover 12 and a half seems weird. I don't know that the defense is interested in really fighting at this point in the season. And watching the Rams game, you know, I had remarked like Denver should just fly home at halftime. They're getting their ass kicked. They don't want to be out here. You might as well just go home and spend Christmas with your family and like put on a concert or something for the second half. Concede the game. You guys suck. And then after that, they fired the coach too. So there may be a little bit of joy in the room because of the firing of the coach, but I, there's no way I can trust Denver here. So as much as I don't want to take Kansas City to cover 12 and a half, I'm going to take Kansas City to cover 12 and a half, and we will say under 45 at mile high. Rids picks. Ridley likes the Chiefs at home too. Okay, what do we have next? Dolphins at Patriots. Ooh, this is a game where I want both teams to lose. So <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, I guess I prefer New England wins because then both teams are 8-8 eight and eight and have better shot at both missing the playoffs. Um, but really, like, I don't have anything against Miami other than their rivalries with the Bills. And the whole Tua thing is just, I feel so bad for him. Like, he was playing such good football, and then... The way they've completely disregarded his uh, brain health through this point in the season is just really frustrating. And I know he wants to play, so it's not a matter of like they're forcing him out there against his will. But the way that his concussion got missed in the last game and then reported after the game was over was a failure once again on the same player on so many levels. Like if the spotters on the side or in the booth or whatever, don't see him hit his head there. Like, of all the people on the field to be watching for head trauma issues, how do they miss that? So just a catastrophic failure of the NFL's uh, concussion systems once again. And the same guy at the center of it, you know, they should shut him down for the season. There's no need for him to play. And if Miami's going to try to prioritize, like, this is our year to win a Super Bowl, I mean, we already clearly know that that is not the case, so... I think they should just sit him and get him ready for next year and start to prep and do all that. So uh, that being said, with Teddy Bridgewater in the game, the Patriots have a much better chance. Both of these teams, though, uh, not great. And oddly enough, they're both kind of mediocre against the spread, too. So two and a half points for the Patriots in New England in what is 
of course going to be at least somewhat cold weather. So we'll say New England. Miami keeps on losing. And we'll say under 41. Even though I think Miami's won a bunch in a row against New England. They kind of have their number. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say New England this time. And I'm probably going to regret it. But Patriots by two and a half under 41. Rids picks. Rids likes the Patriots at home as well. What is the next game on deck? Colts at Giants. Oh, this is a game where the Giants, um, they are the better team. They definitely should win this game. They are at home. They have a good defense. They have an offense that, while it's not always the best offense in the league, it works. Uh, they're not missing key pieces in the same way it looks like mckinney actually is going to play too so him being out might change before game time they're favored by five and a half at home and after watching the colts just look like they weren't even there against the chargers with nick Foles getting sacked um seven times in that game nine times some ridiculous number and to think that they're going to trot him out there again at least for part of that game um I loaded up and I took the Giants defense because their defense is solid. Like, you look how they played Minnesota, close game. Um, they put up a good defensive effort against the uh, Commanders the week before. So I think the Giants are actually uh, a solid team. They're obviously not as good as their record was when it was like 7-1, 7-2 or whatever, but they're still good. And I just, like, I don't know what the Colts are playing for anymore, so... If it's just pride, I'm sure they'll play well, but there's going to come a sticking point where the Giants are playing for something and they have the ability to do things on offense that the Colts do not. So even if it's a close, kind of like ugly defensive game, I, that's kind of ultimately what I want. Five and a half points is a lot, but maybe the second week for Nick Foles looks a little bit better than the first week. Uh, but it was their offensive line that looked bad. I mean, he also threw three picks, and he thought, like, oh, I thought those balls were good when I threw them, and it's like maybe one of them. The other two were pretty damn bad, though, and bad decisions. So, yeah, I got to go Giants. I'll take the Giants by the five and a half, and the under at 39. Rids picks. And I'm sensing a pattern here as Rids is also taking the Giants. Okay, what do we got next? Saints at Eagles. Saints at the Eagles. Uh, who's starting at quarterback? Is it Jalen Hurts? He's doubtful, so hopefully he doesn't start because I'm playing against him in fantasy. And if he doesn't start, that gives me a huge advantage. Uh, if he does start, then I'm in trouble. I'm in more trouble than I'm already in. But I think the Eagles are okay even losing this game. If they go to 13-3... and three, they would still hold the tiebreak over Minnesota, and then they would have one game week 18 with Hertz potentially back to win the number one seed outright. So this game isn't killer for them. They don't need to rush Hertz back out there, and it's his throwing shoulder that's injured too, so I would, I would hold him out as much as possible if that's the case. And I mean, the Saints are interesting because they've managed to still kind of like overachieve and hang around in the playoff conversation. They're only a game back of what's going on in their own division, but them winning the division is going to be very, very difficult. Them winning the wild card is going to be difficult, but if they get to eight and nine, they're going to have a shot. So even though this game is going to be outdoors in the cold, in Philly, raining, we saw last week that uh, the Saints actually have a very physical defense. 
and a very physical style of run game that they can implement and play in the elements. They were down to Cleveland, though, and then their defense stepped up, and I think that's not going to be as easy to do against the Eagles team that's way better on both sides of the ball than the Browns. So even with Garner Minshew at quarterback, five and a half seems like it's totally doable. Depending, I see rain. So if it's really sloppy and rainy, five and a half might be too much. And again, the Eagles don't need this game quite as much as the Saints, but they just hung up like, what, 30-something on the Dallas defense? Yes, that was in a dome, but I'm going to say because it looks like it's going to rain that I will take the under in a, in a defensive struggle. Uh, under 41 and a half and I think I'll take the Saints to cover the five and a half Rids picks Rids likes the Eagles too okay what's the next game on deck Panthers at Bucks somehow one of the most interesting games of the week is the six and nine Panthers who are one and five on the road taking on the seven and nine Bucks who are four and four at home uh Panthers are 8 and 7 against the spread where the Bucks are 3-11 and 1 against the spread. So that tells you this game is probably going to be close. 4 points is a margin that the Bucks have had trouble covering all season long. So I'll take the Panthers at the plus 4 for sure. Um, the Bucks don't score that much, so the 40 and a half is borderline. Their defense might be good enough to hit Carolina in their strengths. So Carolina uh, runs the ball well, much better than Tampa. But Tampa's run defense is traditionally pretty good, but Carolina's run defense is not much uh, worse. So in terms of defenses, maybe Tampa has a slight edge. On offense, got to think that Tampa throws the ball better. And if you put the game, if you force Sam Darnold to have this to win this game, that's going to be where Tampa can actually get it done. And even Carolina's leading receiver only doesn't even have 800 yards yet. So, eh, I mean, Johnson Foreman's got 800, but he's had a, a good one. And then it's just Sam Darnold versus Tom Brady. I got to go with Brady. But this Carolina team already did beat Brady in Carolina earlier in the season with P.J. Walker, a quarterback. So I can see why Carolina is a slight favorite on the ESPN analytics maker. Um, and that's why I'm going to take them at plus four, but I'm going to go with the Bucks to win it and we'll say under 40 and a half in a close defensive scrappy divisional showdown. Rids picks. Rids likes the Bucks too. I realize Rids and I have all the same picks so far and I might have to move off of that. All right, what's next? Browns at Commanders. And here we go again. This is a game where the Browns are, I think they're mathematically eliminated, but I could be wrong. I'm going to check on that real quick. But it's a game where I think the Commanders should win at home. Uh, they're favored to win by two, and ESPN has them as the favorites in this matchup as well. I've got Nick Chubb going in this game. But the Browns are mathematically eliminated. And with that comes a certain kind of freedom. They know that there's no pressure on them finally in this game. They can go and experiment and figure some things out. They can maybe take the reins off of what they want to do at the quarterback position a little bit. Uh, this game shouldn't be in the freezing snow like it was last week, so that should help them as well. 
I hope Nick Chubb is able to play through his foot injury and get going because I've got him in my fantasy championship as well. And looking at the, the depth chart and the injury reports, it doesn't look like there's going to be too much in terms of guys missing from this game. So it's really just like, you know, who's playing for more here and why? And you got Carson Wentz stepping back into quarterback for Washington, which I don't know that that's a great decision. But after what we've seen from uh, Taylor Heineke lately, I think we saw kind of like where his ceiling is right they win close games based on defense and they beat houston 23 10 they beat atlanta 19 13 and they have their tie with the giants and then they go into their bye week and they come out and they lose 20 to 12 and then they get stomped 37 20 so i just think you know you're giving the reins back to wentz assuming that he's going to be able to maybe move the football a little bit more and on the other side the browns had won three out of five including wins over tampa and houston and baltimore but losses to Cincinnati and New Orleans where they only scored 10. And you're going up against a defense here that's pretty solid that, you know, gives up 20 points a game, which isn't terrible really like in this NFL, but they don't score more than they uh, allow either. So 40 and a half in decent conditions. I'm going to say over the 40 and a half. I will take the commanders for now at minus two. And that means I'm taking them to win outright as well. Rids picks. Rids is taking the commanders too. All right, what's next? Jags at Texans. Okay, Jags at Texans. I can finally confidently take a road team. But oddly enough, I believe the um, Texans have won like nine in a row against the Jaguars. So... Of all the times where the Jags are hot and they're kind of like heading in the right direction, they have the playoffs like right at their fingertips. This game is also still a meaningless game for them in terms of the division because it's just beat Tennessee next week and you're in. So how much are they going to invest in beating Houston this week? Do they try and keep themselves alive for the wild card just in case? I think they should because they're the Jaguars and they haven't been in the playoffs in forever. And so it's, well, not forever. It's been like five years. Um, I think they should focus on getting at least keeping themselves alive in the wild card uh, conversation because they have lost uh, nine in a row dating back to 2018. And they lost 13-6 earlier this year. So of Houston's two wins, one of them is against the Jags this year. And that's got to be concerning. Uh, if you are a Jaguars fan, because how do you not beat this team? And I mean, a lot has changed since they played each other uh, in October, but you never know. These things are weird. Sometimes it happens, but it means Jacksonville's due. And I can see that they're favored by three here. They're three and five on the road, which isn't great. They are seven and eight against the spread, but the Texans are seven, seven and one against the spread too. So it's quite possible that this is a defensive uh, close game, which is what I'm hoping for because I want a lot of field goals in this game in the Dome. Uh, but I will take the Jaguars, and even if they lose, as long as they kick a bunch of field goals, I will be totally happy with that. And uh, in the Dome, I'm going to say over 43. Rids picks. Rids is taking the Texans. Okay, what's next? 49ers at Raiders. Oof the Raiders oof the Raiders indeed well 
the Niners should smash them. And I think even if Derek Carr was playing, like maybe the spread isn't nine and a half, but I think the Niners still cruise. I mean, they get to play in a dome, which I'm sure is good for them, assuming no uh, ACL tears as it happens. Debo Samuel's still out, but the way the Niners run the football, the way they play defense, the way Brock Purdy operates the offense, I mean, you've got a team that scores more than the Raiders, who have Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs both having very good seasons, so that should tell you something. And you have a defense that gives up more more than a touchdown less, if that makes sense. They give up less than a touchdown more. <laughs> About eight point difference between points allowed. Niners average more yards on offense. They give up way less on defense. There's there's no reason for me to think the Raiders uh, win this game, especially with Derek Carr out. They have to sit him now because if he gets hurt, he gets his guaranteed money. So the Raiders are essentially shopping him for next season. And it's just, you know, it's a sad situation because this team was supposed to be so much better. Um, and Josh McDaniel is just a shitty head coach. What it turns out, he left Belichick last time, got caught cheating in Denver, went back to being an assistant, got another head coaching job. Here he is ruining the Raiders. Uh, I mean, this was a playoff team last year that got better on paper. You add Chandler Jones. You add uh, Devontae Adams. They added another guy on defense who's pretty good as well. And your results are terrible. You've lost a bunch of games that you should have won. Uh, your defense is even worse than it was last year somehow. So uh, they should just fire Josh McDaniels already. It doesn't make sense. Get him out of there. Uh, Denver, it took less for them to fire their coach, but he also sucks. So anyway, Niners, Cruz, I'll take them by 10 in the Dome. And hopefully Carlson is not kicking three 50-yard field goals because that will hurt me in fantasy. Rids picks. Rids is taking the Raiders at home. Okay, what's next? I love that I'm under two minutes without even having to really be policed. Yeah, you're doing a great I'm job. Getting, I'm getting right fast. Right under the buzzer. I know I'm probably going to be wrong about all this because I'm going so fast, but let's keep going. We got other stuff to do today. All right, Jets at Seahawks. The, ooh, this is another game that is good, and, you know, you get Geno Smith getting to play against his old team in the Jets. I will say revenge games have not worked out particularly well for guys so far this year. Uh, and Seattle scores a lot more, and they give up a lot more. And the Jets' defense is good. The Jets' defense, uh, you know, it held Jacksonville to 19, held Detroit to 20, held Buffalo to 20, kept Minnesota at 27 in a close game, held Chicago to 10. And then you look on the other side of things where Seattle gives up 24, 21, 30, 23, 40. So even a bad Jets offensive day is probably still going to put up some points. Mike White is back. So you've got to think that Zach Wilson being um, not good is not going to hold back their offense as much. And if White's there, if the Jets score 24 in this game, I think they win. Because as much as I like Seattle and I would like to see them win this game and get into the playoffs, their defense is so bad. Their run defense is so bad at 155 yards a game. And so what the Jets really want to do is give the ball to Zonovan Knight and let him run. And it's going to be really difficult for Seattle to maintain drives and establish their ground game. And when you take away Seattle's ground game, they struggle. So it's not a completely unwinnable game. And the Jets have lost a bunch uh, in a row. They've lost four in a row, but it's Minnesota, Buffalo, Detroit, and Jacksonville. So you got best team in the AFC, maybe the second best team in the NFC. 
Detroit, who was one of the hottest teams in the league at the time, and Jacksonville, who's also one of the hottest teams in the league at the time. So it's like those are four good quality losses. And then Seattle, they lose to Casey, they lose to San Francisco, they lose to Carolina, who's been hot. But that loss to Vegas sucked, and they almost got beat by a really bad Rams team at that time, too. So, ugh, 42 and a half. It's going to be loud. I, ugh, I don't want to, but I'm going to take the Jets on the road. And we'll say under 42 and a half. Rid's picks. Rid still got love for the Hawks. She's going Seattle. I mean, we all still love the Hawks, but... Go Hawks. Yeah, go Hawks, but uh, I don't hate the Jets either because everybody was under the thumb of the Patriots in the AFC East for 20 years, so, you know, I, I cheer for all the teams that were held down by the Patriots to get their revenge, so... If the Jets winning means the Patriots miss the playoffs, fuck yeah, go Jets. <laughs> uh, okay, what's next? Vikings at Packers. Ooh, another good one. This was a, a tickler early in the season. Was it week one where they played and the Vikings surprised everybody and beat them? And now they get to go into Green Bay, play a Green Bay team that is starting to play better. And again, like because of the situation with Minnesota being 12-3 and three, and them having a half game on Dallas, if they lose and their Dallas will take this tiebreaker and be number two, if they win, they can't pass the Eagles for the number one seed, even if the Eagles lose. So this is really just coming down to a rivalry game against a Packers team that you hate and you want to keep out of the playoffs as much as possible. And the Packers are at home. It's going to be cold in Lambeau as it tends to be. They're actually favored. So it's similar to when they went to Detroit. And even though Detroit had a losing record, they were favored over the Vikings and they won. And... I think, you know, with the Vikings, people see the vulnerability. They see games where they get down 33-0 to the Colts. And as amazing as that comeback was, that is not a game that the Vikings should have won. So it, it is incredible. They are very resilient. They came back from 17 down against Buffalo to win. Kirk Cousins plays really, like, tough football where he hangs in the pocket and he gets blasted in order to make throws. And I think it's his finest season as a pro quarterback leading a team. And I've never been super high on the Cousins bandwagon, but uh, he's he's playing tough and they're playing well. And look, they're 12 and three for a reason. And that starts with your leadership position. So it's gonna be very, very interesting to see what happens in this game. I am fantasy heavy in Minnesota. So I'm kind of leaning towards the Vikings here, but I mean, the Packers need this game way more. Their defense actually matches up fairly well against Minnesota's attack. But what Minnesota did to them last time was just ground and pound them into the dirt. Uh, they ran all over them, and that's kind of what was unexpected the first time they played when they won 23-7. Sorry, we're taking a little bit over two minutes here. But yeah, Cousins had an efficient day, 277, two touchdowns. Jefferson couldn't stop him, but they could stop everybody else passing. But Jefferson had nine for 184 and two touchdowns. Cook had 20 for 90. Madison had 8 for 36. So they really, you know, they ran the ball 28 times to throwing at 32. So they understood, like, what was in front of them. And if Minnesota's defense can hold up and just not let Aaron Rodgers and that uh, offense get going, they should have a good chance to win. I've, I've taken 
teams that are not the Vikings often, I'm going to take the Vikings here because I think the, the sweetest revenge would be to not only be 12-3 and three and win the division, but to also knock Green Bay out of the playoffs before they get a chance to get there. So this is Minnesota's opportunity this year to really like vanquish a lot of those demons that Green Bay has laid in their wake over the last four to five seasons since Cousins got there. I think this is fourth year, maybe. Um, so this is, this is the opportunity, and I think they're going to seize it, and I think they, uh, I think they win it. So I don't think Cousins throws the interceptions necessary uh, for Green Bay to win like they did last week against Miami. So we're going to go with Minnesota to win, and uh, that means I'll take them at plus three. And I'm sorry, it was over on 47 and a half. In Green Bay, we will say over. Rids picks. Rids is taking the Packers. Right as I was bragging about doing so well of being under two minutes, I go way over. So what's next? <laughs> Rams at Chargers. Ooh, another fun one. The the Battle of LA with the Rams team that has nothing to play for other than fun. A Chargers team that is in the playoffs and don't necessarily need this game. Oh man, this is a scary combination for me having Austin Eckler as my fantasy number one running back. Chargers are favored by six and a half, but you know, they didn't score a lot against Indy. They beat Tennessee by three. They beat Miami by six. They lose to Vegas not that long ago. They beat Arizona by one. I don't see them as six and a half point favorites here. It's quite possible, but looking at what the Rams did to the Denver defense, uh, it's also quite possible that they win this game outright in a game that the Chargers don't really need that bad. Uh, Derwin James is out. I don't know if it's because of the concussion that he gave himself leading with that head-to-head hit that got him fined. Uh, Aaron Donald's still out. John Wolford's still out. So it's Baker Mayfield season. Uh, Higby's questionable after having a great game last week. And really, I'm looking at the rushing yards allowed by the Rams is still very low. So they still have one of the best run defenses in the league. And it's not like the Chargers want to run the ball that much, but that definitely screws with Eckler as a fantasy option for me. So I'm going to need him to have a receiving touchdown or a short yardage rushing touchdown like he had last week when he had two of them. Uh, Very, very interesting game. I I think I'll still take the Chargers to win because I think they're the better team and I think they want to be playing their best football late in the season. But I think the Rams are going to make it way more interesting than this six and a half. So I'll take the Rams to cover. I'll take the Chargers to win, and we're going to say over on 41 and a half. Rids picks. Rids is going with the Chargers. Okay, what's next? Steelers, Steelers Ra- at Ravens. Steelers-Ravens, the most physical and violent rivalry in the NFL. Even if you don't like either of these two teams, if you like football, this is always a must-see matchup. Ravens are 10-5, and 5-2 five, five and two at home. Steelers coming on a little late. They're seven and eight and four and four on the road. Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season and he does not want to start now, but he's still got two games left to win in order to secure that. You got Kenny Pickett back under center. It looks like Lamar Jackson is still listed as out for this game uh, as recently as yesterday. Marcus Peters is out. Uh, The Ravens are in the playoffs. They don't need this game to win. Uh, excuse me, they don't need to win this game. 
<laughs> but they can still win the division depending on what happens in the Bengals game. They just won't know that until after this game is over. So I still think they play hard. Uh, it's projected to be a low-scoring game. But, you know, I, I see the Ravens have scored 17-3, 16-10. And then the last time Lamar Jackson played, they scored 27, but they lost. And then you look at the Steelers, they got 24, 19, 14, 24, 13. So the odds of this game really being over 35 are low, but 35 is not a high point total at all. I could see this as a, you know, a 16 to 20 game, and that's just like barely over. But there's so many different varieties of this style of game. And when they played last time, it was uh, 16, 14. So this was only a month ago. It was uh, not even December 11th. So they played three weeks ago with basically the same lineups and it was a close game and the Steelers scored late and that was in Pittsburgh. So now they got to go into Baltimore and win. Um, I think they, they've got a chance. I see why Baltimore's favored. I also could see why Baltimore necessarily doesn't necessarily uh, go full bore in order to win this game. But they're really not that injured. Clayus Campbell's questionable. He should be back. So, for the sake of the Mike Tomlin staying above 500, we're going to go with the Steelers to win at plus two. And I'm going to say over 35. Rids picks. Rids is liking the Ravens. Okay, we have arrived at the main event of the say- season. I was going to say the final destination. Final destination. And that game is? Bills at Bengals. Bills, Bengals. What a game. I've been waiting for this one all season. I've actually been waiting for this game since last season because the Bengals were a team that the Bills didn't get to play. It wasn't a litmus test kind of game that the Bills got to measure themselves against. Like they played... uh, the Titans of last year, they played the Chiefs last year. I think they played Tennessee last year as well. So, oh yeah, they lost that weird-ass game in Tennessee last year. So, the Bills typically play all the other good teams in the AFC on a regular basis, and they just have not played uh, Cincinnati with Joe Burrow at the helm. So, we finally get to see what it looks like as Joe Burrow and Josh Allen go head-to-head. Uh, between the two of them, they have 8,000 passing yards this season. Uh, 8,289 to be exact. They have 66 passing touchdowns to go with 25 combined interceptions. They're pretty even in all those categories, but uh, Burrow has thrown the ball a little bit more. He's also completed at a higher percentage, turned the ball over slightly less, but Allen does a lot of his damage on the ground. I think the most surprising thing would be that Devin Singletary has more rushing yards than Joe Mixon on 29 fewer carries. So... Singletary's yards per carry is higher than Joe Mixon. I don't think anybody would have thought that uh, at the outset of the season. And then you've got Diggs with 101 catches, 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns. And because of the Jamar Chase injury, you've got Higgins for Cincinnati leading them with 73 grabs, 1,022 yards, 7 touchdowns. Bills are favored by a point and a half. They are 7-7-1 against the spread. The Bengals are 12-3 against the spread. That's pretty crazy. Uh, they have a better record against the spread than they do in actuality. Uh, there's no way I'm picking the Bengals here, <laughs> but that doesn't mean the Bengals can't win. The Bengals are a very good football team. They're in the Super Bowl for a reason. 
and I'm excited to see the Bills play that team that went to the Super Bowl because that team has been the Chiefs for a while and we've seen what the Bills can do to the Chiefs in the regular season they've beat them in the regular season the last two years but they haven't been able to do it in the playoffs and to me you know I know that the number one seed in the AFC in the bye week and home field advantage and all that stuff is on the line in this game but for me what I really just want to see is how these teams match up like how do the Bills who score more points and give up fewer points who put up more yardage who give up less yardage how do they stack up against a Bengals team that is, I think they've won seven in a row and the Bills have won six in a row. So you're looking at the two best teams in the AFC right now. Uh, they've both beaten Kansas City this year. So they both established themselves as the, the, you know, the next generation beyond this Kansas City team. And I want to see what happens. Because if the Bills win this game and they do it uh, convincingly, even if they don't, if they, if they did what the Bengals were able to do to the Chiefs, where the Chiefs had the ball with the lead and then fumbled and the Bengals came back and won, if the Bills are down and force a turnover and come back and win, I think that's a good quality win too. They don't have to blow the Bengals out in order for it to be a meaningful win. Um, it would be really impressive if they completely shut down the Bengals and kicked their ass, um, but I'm not foolish enough to think that that is going to be the outcome. Uh, I want to see a good game. I want to see both teams stay healthy because both these teams are in the playoffs either way. So I think one way or another, this is not the last time these teams are going to meet this season. So how much do these teams like show their hand, right? Are you going to go all in to win this game? You're going to show everything because if the Bengals win this, they're both tied at 12 and four. But then if the Chiefs win, the Chiefs would hold the record advantage over both teams and be the number one seed again. So maybe just for the sake of not allowing the Chiefs to have the number one seed, the Bengals lose and the Bills secure the number one seed and then they would have the, the tiebreak advantage, but still only a half game lead. So week 18, there'll still be a lot on the line, but I'll take the Bills at minus one and a half. I think their defense, uh, their speed on defense can present some problems. I think their schemes also, I know I've gone way over two minutes on this, but that's because it's my game. This is Bills Bengals. This is AFC Championship preview, most likely. So season finale, right? Yeah. And when I talked to a bunch of Bills fans earlier in the season, they were like circling games on the calendar. They wanted to see a lot of people were picking the Green Bay game, and I was like, Nah, this is the game that I've got circled. I've been waiting for this since last season, and I really want to see what these two teams are made of against one another because we've already seen them both play Kansas City. We've seen them both beat Kansas City, so. This is much more interesting to me. It's by far the most interesting and most valuable game of the week. Uh, but both these teams are in the playoffs, so... Yeah, we'll take the Bills on the road. That'll give me another road team. And now I have to get to the point where my dog doesn't choose the Bills and we're on bad terms as we watch the game. Rids picks. Rids is taking the Bengals. Boo. Okay, we've arrived at the end of the show. We're under an hour. It's 50 minutes. That's pretty good. I was doing it in about 45 minutes. Uh, I mean, we spent probably a little bit more than 50 minutes actually recording, but that's it. We're here. It's the end. It's the end of the year. I hope if you're in the fantasy football playoffs, if you're still there and you're in the championship, I wish you well. Unless you are my brother, Chris Vanger then I hope you lose because you're playing me. And you already got 11 out of your kicker, and you benched the Dallas defense, so I think we both left points on our bench potentially, so I really hope New Orleans hangs some points on that Philly defense. I don't know. 
We'll see. It's going to be interesting either way. It is going to be interesting. It's always interesting, but I have not won our league since the very first year, and I've been the commissioner. Being the commissioner when you don't win and when you miss the playoffs is the worst. <laughs> so I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to have a shot at hosting that trophy. I'm in the money, so it's like I'm not that upset, but I want the trophy more than the money. I don't care about the money. I want the trophy. <laughs> you have any closing thoughts on this season? Well, I mean, the season's not over. But it's, it's the end of the year. you have New Year's thoughts for your fans out there? No. 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 No, I think it's been an interesting December football. Crazy things happening. It has been crazy, and I expect there to be some crazy outcomes as well this week. The referees certainly seem to have a vested interest in particular outcomes. I'm not going to outright say what I'm thinking, but if you can hear between the lines, you'll <laughs> know one. what I mean. Um, so yeah, that'll do it for 2022. Uh, seriously, if you listen to this show, I, I appreciate it. Um, there's so many different ways, so many different methods so many different media streams to beam into your brain holes to get football content so if you listen to this show thank you so much and uh baby got anything left for us think wants some think we'll get it to huh come on do it lay it on right here do it do it happy football sunday Yay! <laughs> and Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. Take care, and we'll see you in 2023. Thanks to everyone who took the time to listen to the 100th episode of the Shiest Podcast. I still believe that word of mouth is the best way to help, so if you enjoyed it, please tell somebody. But liking, subscribing, and sharing go a long way, too. This show is an extension of thescheist.com, and you can contact me at info at or at Podcast on Twitter. And until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Bills!